0: May the 6th 2022 and it is 7:03 on your Tucson Friday and uh, you're listening here on 1490 a.m. 104.9 fm ESPN Tucson <clears throat> pardon me as we are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show and uh, plenty of stuff to talk about today we'll get to, uh, get into some some things that I didn't get a chance to address myself yesterday and I want to thank Justin Spears for uh, filling in for me yesterday I had a uh, a late night Wednesday night, a planned late night. Knew it was going to be late. I'll talk about that, certainly because it ties into one of the things that I want to talk about today um, as to what I was doing on, on Wednesday night that kept me from being on the air Thursday morning. So uh, thanks to Justin uh, Spears for uh, filling in. Also, Mireya, she, she filled in for uh, for Mary yesterday. So thanks to the uh, the uh, dynamic duo for filling in for, uh, for us yesterday, and uh, I'm sure they did a great job and uh, thankful for that. So plenty to get into today, stuff that I wanted – to address yesterday that I, you know, obviously I'm going to have to wait till today, including the Madison Bumgarner ejection from the, uh, from the Diamondbacks game on Wednesday night. Definitely have some opinions on that. Um, y- yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly talk about that because it's, you know, not a whole lot to talk about with the Diamondbacks, although their, their record is, I think it's better right now than a lot of people thought it would be. They're playing scrappy and Getting some good pitching, uh, so that's that's been uh, good for them for Tori Lovello's squad early on this season. I don't expect it to last too long, but uh, nonetheless, has been a nice little shot in the arm to start the uh, start the season for the day, for the D backs. Uh, I'll also go into what we saw on Wednesday night in Game Two of the Suns and Mavericks series, and the I, I don't know where this is even coming from. I, I mean, I, well, I do know where it's coming from from Nick Wright, uh, who's a, a national sports guy who does a lot of controversial things, including bring politics into basically just about everything that he discusses, um, which I'm not a fan of. Regardless of his politics, I'm just not a fan of bringing politics into the realm of sports when you're trying to talk sports and you keep trying to make it a political issue. I'm just not a fan of that. Also, he's very well known as being a uh, very, um, I I don't know, I guess – throw spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks kind of thing as far as giving opinions. And he is very much of the belief that, um, he is, I guess, I mean, for lack of a better term, he's very hypocritical in his arguments that he gives. Apparently he said something. I don't look, look, I don't pay attention to Nick, Wright. I, you know, I know that he makes headlines because he says stupid things a lot, which is basically going down the path of skip Bayless, which nobody ever wants to do. Um, he says a lot of stupid, brash things that never follow, get followed up on, um, and apparently he said something about it being a travesty and basically cheating that the Phoenix Suns are attacking Luka Doncic uh, and his lackluster defense and that the NBA should do something about it, apparently. I, I, I Again, I don't pay much attention to this, but it's gotten people talking specifically here, in, uh, you know, locally, both, you know, in the Valley, down in Tucson here, just statewide Arizona, and Suns fans all across the country have been kind of chiming in on their opinions in retort to his comments, apparently. Uh, and it got a lot of people kind of, you, you know, the discussions on Twitter and on the social medias and on the, the, you know, the radio shows and the podcasts and stuff like that have have been surprisingly 50-50, in the arguments, and one of the you know one of the big arguments has been that um, that local media has gotten soft and that they just pamper the the local teams, and then it got into the you know well that's what happens when teams own radio stations and make you talk about you know all the nice things, all the good things about about the sports teams, and I'm just like oh my god, it's it's like. It's like listening to an 8-year-old tell you about nuclear science. Like they think they know. They think they have all the answers in the world, but they couldn't possibly understand because they're not coming from a position of any sort of knowledge whatsoever on the subject. So, uh I have some I have some thoughts on that which we will discuss when I get into my son's breakdown of not only game 2 but also the preview of tonight's game, game 3 in Dallas. Uh, I did I see correctly that Dallas is actually favored in this game? Did Vegas is Vegas really have them as a 1 point favorite? Uh, did they did they finally change their mind? I haven't looked at FanDuel yet this morning. Uh, but w- when I first looked at it, I'm like, "No. Come stop. Come on." Phoenix hasn't lost a game in Dallas in 4 years. <laughs> okay? Let's not start getting crazy here and it's obvious that they completely own the Mavericks in this series and have owned them for three and a half years. They've lost a game to to Dallas, period, since 2019, January 2019, in a game that DeAndre Ayton got hurt in the first quarter. So let's just stop. Okay? The series is over. The Suns showed that they are the dominant force when it comes to playing against the Dallas Mavericks. Dallas Mavericks have zero, zero answers for the Phoenix Suns. And what you're going to see tonight is an absolute kitchen sink being thrown out onto the court by Jason Kidd and his staff, to try to find some way to stay close to the Phoenix Suns. Good luck. We'll talk about that coming up a little bit later on as well. We'll talk some NFL. Not a whole lot of NFL news going on. You know, there's very, very little kind of right now. It's the dust is settling from the NFL draft. There are a lot of people offering opinions on certain players that were drafted, where they were drafted. Um, I've read some, some articles from, uh, you know, from from – journalists who have gone and talked to the college coaches that you know coach these young men uh leading up into the uh, the draft and i thought there was a very interesting take and it, it was it was shared by a couple of different coaches in these stories that i read and also some of the people that i was talking to on wednesday night also shared this little uh, you know this opinion on why this quarterback draft class was so watered down and why this may not be the last time we see it. So I have some we have some thoughts on that as uh, as well. Now, let's get into where I first of all, where I was Wednesday night and why it's relevant today to what I'm going to be talking about. So Wednesday night, I was I was hired by the Fiesta Bowl. The Fiesta Bowl is having their annual Spring Summit. Uh, it's going on right now. It happens. It's usually like a three to four day event that they have where they bring in uh, college football head coaches and athletic directors to, you know, for uh, basically a weekend of fun in the sun. And there's activities. And there's also a lot of like symposiums and conferences and things like that that go along with it as well. And it's all put together by the Fiesta Bowl. This, this is all, you know, song and dance kind of stuff. It's every, every, you know, all the bowls do this. And it's just, you know, it's just part of the deal. So I was hired by the Fiesta Bowl to be the Wednesday night entertainment, the post dinner entertainment. So they go have dinner at the at the restaurant at the resort that they're at, and then they come over to another area where they can. There's a lot of different activities going on. Whether it's you know watching the basketball game, which we all watch the game together, the uh, the final final fourth quarter of the game, and watch Chris Paul put on a masterful performance alongside Devin Booker. Um, we all watched that and had a good time watching that. And then we went out and, we, and uh, we had some fun, doing some some trivia and playing some games and, you know, having a good time. And uh, afterwards, got a chance to talk with many of the people that were in attendance there. Uh, you know, Dave Hickey, athletic director for Arizona, of course, he was there. Got a chance to see Dave and always always a, a, always good to see the boss. Now, it's funny because I said, I, you know, it got, it got out pretty quickly that Dave and I knew each other. And so all of the other coaches and ADs were like, okay, so he's going to be cheating at trivia then tonight because they've got, you know, he's Jeff's boss, and therefore Jeff's going to let him win. Well, that didn't happen. <laughs> I didn't let Dave win. He They earned it on their own, by the way. Uh, they formed up a good team, and, and uh, we had some fun. So <clears throat> afterwards, th- there's just a lot of, you know, talking and people, you know, just kind of hanging out discussing some things and the and I mean the overwhelmingly dominant conversation topic of conversation was name image and likeness and I mean every every pocket that I that I went to to have a discussion with anytime someone approached me about hey you know I really like that I really enjoyed that do you guys do that here locally how many you know shows do you do all this other stuff what do you think about NIL (laughs) I'm not kidding like this was the dominant topic at, you know, what, what essentially was a cocktail hour, okay? And I will say this. There was a lot of stress in that room. A lot. These people, these head coaches, and I mean, like, all of them, okay? Everybody was there. Uh, and athletic directors, they're all very, very stressed, nervous. Uh, concerned, I mean throw whatever you know whatever word on there you want. that's the feeling that that is prevailing across the college football and the college athletics landscape. People are are concerned. people are worried. the amount of stress being conveyed in those conversations was palpable. I was having a conversation with one of the athletic directors uh, of a power five school. Okay. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and drop a you know a bunch of names on you and stuff. I I talked with a lot of people. I talked with coaches from the SEC on Wednesday night. That was an it those were interesting conversations. Uh talked to a lot of people. So talking with an athlete I just happened to to start having a conversation with the athletic director from a power five uh, power five school. Um just kind of hit it off and we're we're discussing some things. Now, what they told me was that the president of their school now let me let me just tell you the, the the president of this particular school and you can look it up his name is richard myers okay he's he's the president of one of these power 5 schools i'm just going to give you a little bit of a background on who richard myers is and then kind of roll that into where we are today richard myers when he retired from military from the military he's a former military man he spent 40 years in the us military as a member of the Air Force in Vietnam and other things, okay? When he retired, he was the highest-ranking uniformed officer in the United States. He served as the principal military advisor to President George W. Bush, and he was the commander and vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff on a day that we simply refer to now as 9-11, okay? He was the predominant, I I guess, uh, coordinator of all military activity on the day that 9-11 happened, okay? He said that this has been the most stressful two years of his career right now. Right now has been the most stressful two years of his career. This this was the principal military advisor to the president on 9 and that was nothing to this man compared to what is happening right now in college sports think about that for a second imagine if go back in time to where you were 21 years ago the the impact literal and not so literal impact that it had on our society everything changed that day things got put into motion very very rapidly and This man says that this is the most stressful two years of his life. Said that if he had known then what he knows now, he would have never even ventured into this because of just how out of control it is. Now, I was having a conversation with an SEC head coach. And during this conversation, he was expressing that You know, it's just it's the unknown is the most stressful part of this whole thing. It's it's you don't know if a player that you've just spent tens of thousands, potentially even hundreds of thousands of dollars in recruiting over time, whether you started recruiting this young man when he was in eighth grade and uh, traveling out to go see him in his seven on sevens and talk to his high school coaches and spend time in the living room with his family and all these other things and flying him out for campus visits and all this other stuff, the unknown that he could just be, you know, have a carrot dangled in front of his face for some extra money and just flip and turn and walk away after all that leaves coaches with a lot of, a sense of, of, of unease, of, of great sense of unease. And I looked at him and I said, I said, I, please don't take offense to this. This is, this is only meant to be an observation and not, you know, not, uh, you know, a, a judgment of your character, I said. But as a coach, you are very good at what you do. You, you got into the streamline of this business because, among other things, you are a control freak. You need to have control in order to be comfortable in a situation, and you do so very successfully. You are able to command control of situations. And you're able to lead 115 men onto the field to work in concert with one another as a team to make sure that you're all doing things the right way, the way things that you want to, to have them done based on your culture and, you know, and all this other stuff. And he looked at me and he says, no, you're exactly right. And being not having control is uncomfortable for all of us. He says, we're all the same. There's not a single one of us aren't people who who need to feel control that's that's why they're into coaching that's why they're good at coaching that's why they're a head football coach at a power 5 conference school and to not have any to have that control literally ripped out from underneath you and now in the hands of 18 and 19 year old young men who haven't even left mommy and daddy's house yet is very, very uneasy for these men, and these athletic directors are feeling the heat tenfold than what the coaches are feeling. Think about this. Let's say, let's say that because we talked about the you other, know, there are uh, certain schools have these pools of boosters that have come together and they've named themselves some, you know, some entity like in Tennessee they have On Three, and you know, other schools they have all these other. Uh, entities of pools of boosters who get together and they offer NIL money to incoming recruits and transfers okay now imagine let's just say a booster pool is worth a million dollars okay a million dollars a year Th- those that that pool of boosters as individuals prior to NIL they would have each individually given x amount of dollars that would have equaled 1 million dollars and we're just saying this for just for this argument's sake here now that million dollars that was normally earmarked for your athletic department to, I don't know, increase facilities, pay employees, you know, a litany of things that you haven't even probably even thought about yet. Things that are that are on the budget that need to be taken care of. You've got a, you've got an all-star PA announcer that you need to give a raise to. Just kidding. So, this million dollars that was earmarked for the athletic department those boosters are now trying to find ways to build their fantasy team, their fantasy football roster with that million dollars. And they're doing so with, you know, different kinds of NIL uh, inducements and things like that. So not only is the money going to the player and or players that are coming into that, it's not going into the the athletic department. And that player can then literally – turn around and walk away a year later and never have the impact on your program that was intended with that money. So that player, and people say, well, they, they bring in the big players and that brings in the fans. Okay, yeah, all that's well and good. But let me tell you something. Like, if you increase your attendance, okay, let's let's say you have a 50,000-seat stadium and you average your average attendance is 35,000. And you increase that to forty five thousand within a couple of years. You're averaging forty five thousand people. You're like, man, the stadium's packed with people and they gotta be making money hand over fist. Do you know how much little little bit of an advancement of money that is? I mean, honestly. Like in the grand scheme of things, those extra ten thousand fans per game does not equal the one million dollars that would have been given by that group of boosters directly to the athletic department in, you know, grants and, you know, all the donations and all that other kind of stuff. It it doesn't equal out. It's going to the players now. And if those players aren't around for three, four years to wow and dazzle the fans and put wins on the board and go on to the NFL draft and eventually into the Hall of Fame, all while wearing that badge of your school that they so proudly attended, it's all lost. It's all for for naught because they can just – transfer away they can just leave whenever they want they can leave they can transfer in the middle of the season it has gone completely off the rails and the worst part the worst part about it all the ncaa who had been put in charge of this situation for so long to and and i know the ncaa will say our only you know is is to promote fair play and to crown a champion in each of our 19 sports okay and, that, and that's their that's their positioning statement and that's all you know that's all they care but they, they've made it bigger all along I mean they they made it bigger when they threw the death penalty at SMU football right like they, they took it upon themselves to completely decimate a program in the middle of Dallas Texas uh, and and make an example of them as if they were judge jury and executioner so they took it upon themselves to do that now the president, now will be former president Mark Emmert of the NCAA. Now twice in this most stressful time, according to Richard Myers, this most stressful time in the history of college football, twice walks away from the problem. Twice. The first time was with COVID, when the the uncertainty of what was going to happen with the COVID restrictions and Hell, with people's lives, for that matter, right? We were all worried about it. We saw Rudy Gobert touch all the microphones, and then two days later, tested positive for COVID-19, and the world started spinning the opposite direction. Everything stopped, and we all went into protection mode. And at that point in time, when these schools needed the leadership from somebody, okay, you know, whomever it was that was sitting in Indianapolis, sitting atop of the hill in Indianapolis. And he said, it's not our problem. We're not here for that. You guys need to figure it out. And handed the bag to the individual conferences and, or the individual schools just walked away. Not our problem. Turned his back on all those schools that he had been adjudicating over. And, dictating for so long and now in quite possibly the sport's biggest time of need he resigns his position well we all know what that means right i mean well he's gonna he's gonna remain president until they find his replacement since when have you quit a job and been like you know what i'm gonna make some changes around here until they get somebody uh to fill my shoes hell no you got one foot out the door you got the other out you know it's You're not even think. You don't care. You're interviewing for other jobs. You're in that. I'm just here to collect a paycheck, kind of thing. I'm already out the door. These people can suck it. I mean, all all these things. He's (laughs) turning his back on these schools and these these people that have you know been forced to adhere to his rules and the NCAA's rules for so long, and now that. Some of their power has been taken away from them, meaning the NCAA, because of the Supreme Court uh, ruling and all that. Now the president's walking away and saying, sorry, not my problem anymore. You guys figure it out. (sighs) Thanks a lot. Meanwhile, athletic departments are bleeding money across the country, bleeding it. Talk to athletic directors on Wednesday night. You read the articles given in their local papers, all of them. Are struggling and this is not this is not any kind of posturing it's not any kind of of you know ringing the bell for charity handouts this is not that's not what this is this is a legitimate a legitimate scare a legitimate concern for these departments and these athletic directors and the presidents of the schools for that matter what happens next I don't have the answers I don't pretend to have the answers but I know what's wrong and if we can start reversing what went wrong maybe we'll start finding some answers now what went wrong we'll talk about that next you stay right here to the uh, to espn tucson it's jeff dean show
1: the jeff dean show on espn tucson is brought to you by desert diamond casinos desert diamond is true tucson now back to the jeff dean show on 1490 am 1049 fm espn tucson
0: It's a big weekend for fight fans, and MMA fans can meet legend, MMA legend, Henry Cejudo this Saturday up in Phoenix at the FanDuel Sportsbook inside the Footprint Center. All you got to do is stop by between 4.30 and 6.30 p.m., and once you're there, enter for a chance to win two tickets to to UFC 274. You can see my boy Justin Gaethje win the lightweight belt from uh, Charles Oliveira later that night. Uh, Plus, they've got other great prizes that you can register to win as well. Now, if you've never been to the Footprint Center's FanDuel Sportsbook, uh, the retail space that they have there, they've got five uh, bedding windows in addition to 26 automated kiosks there, digital kiosks, which are super handy. Uh, They've got a full-service bar with food options. There's lots of individual, like, big leather recliners and stuff in there, a giant, massive 35-foot video wall that they put, like, the Suns game on. They're able to matrix it all to, like, put the Suns game on so it's, like, 15 feet wide by 15. It's it's awesome. Anyway, it's a huge facility, 7,500, square feet. um, Or you can go outside and enjoy the uh, the outdoor terrace where you can still see all the TVs that they got there, uh, including Phoenix Suns basketball and, of course, the fight there, UFC 274 going on. Great card. Great card at UFC 274. Super, super excited for that one. Uh, So don't miss your chance to meet Henry Cejudo this Saturday at FanDuel Sportsbook inside the Footprint Center. No purchases necessary. 21 and over and present uh, present at FanDuel Sportsbook Footprint Center. The drawing takes place May 7th at 5 p.m. Must be present for drawing to claim prize. Restrictions apply. See terms at uh, fanduel.com slash MMA274. And if you think you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. So what has gone wrong with NIL, the numbers, whatever. I mean, they are what they are. We There's nothing you can really change about that. You can't tell people how much they can spend or whatever. Now, I will say this, that some of these numbers, you're like, oh, well, the person hasn't done anything yet. You're You're paying them based on their potential, which is purely just fantasy footballing at that point, right? So I think that, you know, the money that these that these young men are getting, young men and young women for that matter, it should reflect the amount of work that they're doing, right? I mean, that's what we all, okay, everybody gets paid. Most of us get paid a lot less uh, on on the work that we do. And if you're teaching these young people about life in the big bad world, you're going to have to teach them about you know, fair pay for fair work, you know, uh, honest days pay for, you know, for a job well done, okay? It should also not be used as a recruiting stimulus. Like, that's – obviously that is a huge, huge issue with the coaches, um, you know, it, at, at it, you know it all, it, at all the different sports, whether it be football, basketball, baseball, all the other sports. I mean, every sport, really. Uh, you know, the Olympic sports. I know uh, Dave Hickey was actually talking about the Olympic sports and the effect of NIL on the Olympics and how that you know the Pac-12 has basically been a proving ground um, and a training ground for U.S. Olympic athletes. 300 330 U.S. athletes, uh, Pac-12 athletes competed in the Olympics this year, which is more than 11 countries individually had total. Like, yeah, so the Pac-12 is responsible for that. And if they don't have the money to keep the athletic sports, then you know what knows who knows what happens with athletics. And worst of all, this pay for play model that has now been so rapidly introduced, they need to squash that quickly. Like that can't, that can't be hanging around this for, for any longer than it's already been here, because that's just that's not, it's not what college athletics is. And for all those people out there, all those honks who are like, we got to pay these players, got to pay these students, they're exploiting uh, these students. Listen, I, I understand where you're coming from. First of all, I never agreed with it. I was never uh, of, of the of the opinion that you needed to pay the students. Okay? Now, if the university wanted to sell jerseys with that person's name image likeness on it specifically their jersey number and their name printed across the back if you could only buy them from the university bookstores then the players should get a cut of that they should get they should get some kind of uh, you know some kind of revenue from the you know from the jersey sales from you know anything else that uses their name image and likeness and if EA Sports wanted to make a college football game and wanted to use actual players names and likeness then those players should go ahead and get a cut, just like the NFL players do. They get their check at the beginning of the year for Madden. Every player in the NFL gets one of those. Uh, I think it's like, I think it's twenty four thousand dollars or something like that. They get, whatever it is, so, yeah, it's, it's a couple bucks. Now, those are the those are the things that they should be getting paid for. What they shouldn't be getting paid for is eight hundred thousand dollars to come and transfer to their program. And then these players are then saying players that are already there in position. I'm speaking specifically about the Miami situation because it's the most recognizable and glaring. Is it players that are already there? Like, well, hell, that my my little paltry nil you know gig that I got for forty grand that I've been here for two years for and helped this team go to the 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 elite eight means nothing apparently. So I want more to stay here. Ah, man, it's it is out of control, completely out of control because. We let it get that way. They said, have at it, boys. And they had at it. <laughs> and now we are where we are. And it's it's getting worse. Like, it's literally getting worse by the minute. Now, we'll talk about how it's also affecting some of the other things and literally how it's affecting performance on the field and the product that we see on Saturdays and eventually on Sundays. I'll talk about that next here on the Jeff Dean
1: Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson.
0: Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here. Talking some uh, college athletics, NIL. My thoughts on that based on some of the conversations. I mean, look. My thoughts have not changed. My opinions have not changed. They've only been confirmed, after speaking with several college football head coaches and several athletic directors uh, on Wednesday night. It's it, nothing. Nothing has changed except how, I guess, how aggressive my opinion is in regards to there needing to be some kind of rules laid in, in in place for what's happening in name image and likeness specifically with in regards to using nil as recruiting stimulus that uh the pay for play model needs to completely just be squashed it needs to just completely go away cuz that's that's exactly what it looks like and that the money that that is that is being given to these young men and women Needs to be reflective of essentially the task at hand. All right, I'm not not saying that they they need to put a, a a cap on things. I guess I mean again, that's the tough one because you you can't you can't put a limit on what people are going to spend. I guess I mean maybe you could, but then you'd be talking about the infringements of free enterprise on Americans and. You get into a whole different battle that way. That one's going to be tough. Again, I think that the numbers will begin to kind of self-adjust. I don't think that every player is going to be able to make $800,000 in NIL. Okay, There may be a few here and there. I think what is happening right now is that rich people who have had a lot of time to think about how they would construct their fantasy football or fantasy basketball team or whatever, that have nothing better to do with their time and or money, are now just, I, and I mean making it rain. <laughs> They're just doling it out, man. They've got the they got the handful of cash and they are just shuffling it out towards these young people. I think it'll just because I, I, because you can't you can't say okay football players are only worth forty thousand if they play this position They're only worth twenty thousand if they play this position you can't do that so uh, because it, you basically got the NFL now here's. Here's an interesting take on all of this. Now, this was this was something that I hadn't even really dug, you know, that deeply into because there's so much other stuff on, you know, on the surface without having deep conversations with people, you know, in that level on a daily basis. You're sitting around the office and you're like, "Man, this and this." I mean, other things come up, right? I hadn't even uh, thought about this until I had a conversation on Wednesday night, and then read an article yesterday about the exact same thing. The, the open free agency in college football is hurting the product. Now, I, I, let me, you know, I, let's thank you, Captain Obvious, right? But here's what it is. We just had an NFL draft where one quarterback was drafted in the first round, and another wasn't even drafted until the third round. I mean, unprecedented times in the NFL draft. Now, obviously, the the highest profile of players in the transfer portal belongs to quarterbacks. We always notice when quarterbacks, ASU just got a new quarterback. Emory Jones, the starting quarterback at Florida last year, is now transferred to Arizona State after their spring game, which, again, that's another thing. You need to put you need to put stipulations on how long the period is for transfer portaling. Uh, they can't just be portaling 365. Can't do it. But the, the 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 fact is is that these players are no longer being developed. They're just being they're just bouncing around. They're pinballing from program to program. Whether it be chasing playing time chasing nil money chasing love i mean you know whatever i mean when i say love i don't mean from a you know from a, a opposite sex or you know from a relationship type st- status i mean following the love where you get coaches and other players and fans or whatever media that that you know that show you the love players are emotionally att- attracted to that naturally so these players are not being developed they're just bouncing around looking for the next opportunity to play and and where their next opportunity to play is maybe a situation where a coach just says, we need a high-profile name to come in here to re-energize whatever's going on, or we have a booster that has started to say, you know, you guys aren't doing enough. Uh, Let me know when you guys decide to get serious about winning football games again, and I'll start to come back around and give money back to the program. And then you go out and you get some kid. You just promise playing time. Look, we'll we'll start you right away if if you come play for us. We got NAL. We got all this other stuff. And you just come and play for us. We'll let you do what you, whatever you want. Whatever you want, man. Take whatever classes you want. Make sure it's it's all on the up and up. You, you're you're going to be well taken care of here. And you go back to that booster and say, "We got the we got this star quarterback. He started at Florida. You know, all every you know every game last year." I'm not I'm not picking on ASU. I'm not saying this is what ASU did. Okay, I'm just this is that was recent you know example. And these players are just bouncing around. They're not getting the instruction that they need at the most important position in sports, the most difficult position in sports, the quarterback position. And it has completely watered down the product that we're seeing coming out of college now. I I I'd be I mean, look, Kenny Pickett spent five years at Pitt, right? That's the reason why he was the most NFL ready quarterback in this draft. He had one good year. One. And was the first quarterback off the board And, you know, after the dust is all settled, he was the obvious pick for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He'd been been walking into that building for the last five years, every day for the last five years. He knew the building. The people in the building knew him. So it's watering down the product because, I mean, just think about it. Like, if if you bounced around from job to job, even if it was in the same industry, people have different, you know, modes of the way that they do things and they have – uh, different checks and balances and sets in, in in a place and they have different clients that demand different things and all this other stuff like if you just bounced around every six months you wouldn't be developing your position you would just be pinballing and after four years of working in that you'd sit there and you'd look back and you'd be like I really didn't learn a damn thing like I wouldn't be able to go into business for myself based on the pinballing I just did I didn't give myself a chance to grow. I just boom, 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 you know, lateral, lateral, lateral position, lateral move, lateral move, lateral move, It doesn't work that way. You have to grow. You have to, you have to work within a system. You have to develop your skills and your knowledge and everything that gives you life experience. I mean, our, it's, it's just, you know, I, I, we're seeing, I mean, the proof is in the pudding, Right. We saw what happened with the quarterback. And look, next year's class, next year's quarterback class is remarkable. It's it really is. You look at there's probably be nine quarterbacks taken in the first round next year. You watch, there'll be like eight or nine taken in the first round. They're gonna break records next year because there's gonna be a mad run on quarterbacks. I don't know if it's indicative of the great play of the quarterbacks in this particular class, or if it's the lack of what we've seen coming out the last couple of years. Could be a mixture of both. It probably is. But I can tell you this, that quarterbacks transferring around, quarterbacks who played for three different uh, schools, four different schools, whatever have you, in their college careers didn't develop, and they sure as hell didn't get a good, strong look from the NFL scouts. NFL scouts had to go watch these players play in seven-on-seven where there's no defensive rush. Like, what good is that? How can you evaluate a player that didn't play in full contact games? You can't. So, therefore, you don't hire that player. It's only doing themselves a disservice, and it's it's. Listen, it's where the fans are going to start to notice this, and they're gonna, the boo birds are going to come out. Where's all the talent? They're not developing talent at the collegiate level. Well, they're not able to. Plain and simple. Just another reason I would not. You could not pay me enough money to be a college football head coach or a college basketball head coach. Could not be, if I was the smartest person in the world in that realm in that area, which I am nowhere near. You couldn't pay me enough to deal with this. No thanks. All right, we're going to take a timeout. Still a lot more to come here on the Jeff Dean Show. We've got some NFL to discuss, NBA, of course, the weekend in sports, and the Madison Bumgarner ejection. I have my thoughts on that as well. Stay tuned here to ESPN Tucson. It's the Jeff Dean Show.
1: The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson.
0: Taking a quick look at what's going on this weekend here on ESPN Tucson. Of course, we are your home for Phoenix Suns basketball, and they are going to be in action tonight. Game three in Dallas against the Mavericks in that postseason series. The Suns lead by a count of two to zero. Uh coverage will start immediately following Spears and Ali tonight from 3 to 6. Of course, they, uh, they're going to be on the air from 3 to 6. And then at 6 p.m., we turn over coverage to Suns at Mavericks. The tip-off is scheduled for around 6.30 there. On Saturday... We are your home for Diamondbacks baseball here in Tucson as well. The d backs are going to be in action as they host the Colorado Rockies for a series this weekend. d backs have, have pulled even on the season, so good for them to be in, in that position right now. No, people didn't think they'd be there, uh, but that uh, that game first pitch scheduled um, for uh, 5 p.m. Coverage is going to start there at 4.30. We also have an early game tomorrow, Dodgers and Cubs. Uh, that'll be on our airwaves tomorrow morning starting at 10.30. And then on Sunday – Suns and Mavericks game four. Coverage will begin at noon with tip-off scheduled for around 1230. And then we have a, a late baseball game that will be joining in progress. Also Dodgers and Cubs. That will be immediately following the conclusion of the Suns-Mavericks. Maybe even a Suns-in-four sweep of the Dallas Mavericks. We will absolutely be talking about that coming up in our number two of uh, of, today's, of today's show. Quickly on the on the Madison Bumgarner ejection from Wednesday night. First of all, umpire Dan Bellino knew exactly what he was doing when he goaded Mad Bum into that tirade. Uh, when he started massaging his hand and just staring him coldly in the eyes, waiting for him to look up and give him an excuse to start yapping, because he knows that Mad Bum burns hot. He has he's been a hothead his entire life. He's got a short fuse, and that's the way he's that's the way he's wired, and, and everybody knows it. Okay. I, I attributed it to that scene. You remember the, 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 the Saturday Night Live sketch, the, the more cowbell sketch with Will Ferrell, and they're playing the, the Blue Oyster Colt song, and he's playing the cowbell, and they're trying to figure it out, and he, just, he gets right up next to Chris Parnell, who's playing the, the role of the lead singer of the, of the band, and he gets his cowbell, and he's just right up there, and he's just pounding away in his ear, and he's just staring at him, just staring at him. He knows that Parnell's not looking at him because he's going about his business. He just keeps staring at him, staring at him, goads him into a fight. Right? And that's exactly what Dan Bellino did because, you know, like it or not, he was standing up for home plate umpire Ryan Wills, whose strike zone was completely off the mark in in, in the in the first inning. Mad Bum was already pissed off that he gave up a leadoff home run in the inning, didn't get the strikeout twice that he had earned, and was upset and was very openly questioning the calls in the first inning of the game. But that is a job for the home plate umpire. To discuss with Mad Bum, not the person who is just checking for Stickem, heading off of the field the way Dan Bellino did. It, that he needs to be suspended, fined, whatever have you. That was completely out of line, completely unprofessional, and ridiculous. To be honest with you. All right, hour number two, just a quick three minutes away. Stay right here. We'll have an ESPN Sports Center update and more from the Jeff Dean Show next, right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson.
1: This is ESPN Tucson, 1490 KFFN AM Tucson, K285DL1049FM Tucson, and KMXZ HD 14.